This is a banging passage to preach on. Um, I love it. <laughs> um, and the message tonight is entitled The Song of Solidarity. Um, Mary's song paints this wonderful picture of uh, the oppressed being empowered and those who hold power and possessions uh, over others are more alone. And through Advent, we've been exploring how when Jesus uh, enters the world as the Messiah, as Manuel, as Saviour, as King, all of these things, there's like this cosmic shift um, where, you know, if we recall the heavenly angels and then the working class shepherds, and they join together with the rest of creation, with the mountains and rocks and plains and all of life, and they sing praise to God. They praise God. I don't um, and then Joseph is shaken out uh, of culturally acceptable responses in divorcing Mary to stand in solidarity with her um, because he sees God's presence there. Um, and a few days ago, Kaz on Christmas Eve was sharing with us the way that Elizabeth similarly shows that solidarity with Mary. And so after Mary receives the news about her pregnancy from Gabriel, we don't really know what she's doing. Um, but she rushes to be with Elizabeth, who unnecessarily humbles herself in order to encourage, to create space and celebrate Mary. Um, and then Mary, having been encouraged by Elizabeth, then sings this powerful song. And it's the way that God is well and truly in solidarity with the oppressed uh, and actually causing this cosmic overturning of normality, bringing unlikely alliances and seeing powerful people humbled and the weak empowered. As we've journeyed through Advent, we've seen the ways that the presence of God just powerfully pierces ordinary life. So as God moves in, the privileged comfort the lowly and uplift them. And there's this great joining together in equality. And that's kind of captured in this song. Uh, and there are so, 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 so many things we could say about the Magnificat, this song, about Mary's. The starters, people love it. Like, right, just latch on to it, don't you? It's just such a powerful declaration of God's reversing of social order of justice for the world. Like, it's a championing psalm. Uh, and when people want to know, what's the kingdom of God like? You know, how is the saviour saving the world? How is that king going to rule? What's this Jesus thing about? What are these Jesus people doing? We get this very clear, equitable declaration that no matter how you read it, whatever lens you put on there, whatever hermeneutical thing you're going to do with the text, uh, it is just so powerfully clear that the powerful and proud will be humbled and the lowly will be blessed and uplifted. God's core mission through Christ is about bringing a deliverance and a reign that is about justice and unfair social structures being overturned. You can't read it any other way. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, in the very first week of Advent, Joel also shared a message from Matthew 2. 
where Mary and Joseph and Jesus are forced to flee to Egypt. Um, uh, kind of going back in time, was that the week that we did the things on the floor and maybe that was the week after. We've really journeyed through Advent. Um, but, but, but King Herod, this powerful Roman Empire, calls for the, the killing of children and they have to flee. And so God actually is the outcast. When we're talking about Emmanuel, God with us, God in solidarity, God is the outcast. God goes on the run. God is destitute. God's a refugee. And Joel kind of unpacked that for us a little bit in our first week of Advent. So God is unequivocally in solidarity with those who are lowly and oppressed. And God is here to lift them up, fulfill their needs, and give the rich and powerful what they deserve. The big banks, the coercive political rulers, those who incite violence, insert whatever exploitative power that gives you compassion fatigue day to day in the world, God will bring them low and send them away empty because that's what's right. They've taken too much. And those working for a few cents an hour, the wildlife that is decimated by human greed, those who are receiving unfair legal sentences, First Nations peoples, people of colour, those being perpetually put on a temporary asylum seeker visa with no security or safety, insert the people who we know are powerless in our world and we yearn for more for them, they will be lifted up and given good things, this psalm tells us. Um, A little story from my journey. Uh, Some of you or most of you have probably heard little snippets here and there about the issues that my family has had um, advocating for proper funding under the NDIS for my eldest sister who has a very complex disability. Um, And I have had a heck of a year with that. Uh, I've sat through meetings where um, everyone else in the room has told me how my family is in this for the money, um, how we want excessive support for my sister, Um, that we have lied or colluded with health professionals to game the system. Um, And in the meanwhile, we've been collating all of the actual evidence of why she needs more support, Um, giving it to the people that you're meant to give it to and receiving nothing. Um, And this system is actually designed to discriminate against people with disabilities and their families. Um, while putting money in the pockets of not-for-profits who, take, who are kind of meant to take care of people, and it pretty much ate us alive. Um, and I would go to sleep at night furious and exhausted, but I knew unwaveringly that God was not on their side. God would always be siding with the person with a disability, with the person who was vulnerable, and God was always working for justice. And I don't know whether you know this truth, but for me, it sustains me so much. It allows me to breathe relief. That with everything going on, the God who I believe in, who you may believe in too, the God who reigns bigger than any other power, came in Jesus Christ as a refugee, an outcast, Emmanuel, to live in solidarity, to give power to the oppressed and to bring down those who abuse. 
This is why this song is so, so beautiful and why so many people hold it dear. One of my lectures during my studies, uh, also a Uniting Church minister, Robin Whitaker. I'm a bit of a fan. Um, she taught me to pay attention to the ripples on the pages of the Bible. Um, we have these very human stories that are kind of steeped in their own cultures. But when there's little ripples and little bumps that show up in the pages, you go, oh, some nod going on there. We know it's a nudge from God doing something very countercultural, and it's those things that we should pay attention to. This is what Robin says. And I see a big ripple in Mary's song, uh, a song which is based on another song by Hannah, uh, and that was in 1 Samuel 2. And she had a very similar story to Mary. She was disgraced for her birthing status. Uh, Hannah had been barren for her whole life, uh, and it was a source of great ridicule and shame for her, um, particularly from her husband's other wife, Penina. Uh, and in her misery, Hannah asks God for a son who she'll dedicate to God. And when Samuel is born, Hannah brings him to the temple at Shiloh, and she praises God with a song very similar to this one. Um, the song of Hannah is a ripple in the page there. And the song of Mary is even bigger because there are priests aplenty in these stories. They're the ones we expect to proclaim the Messiah, you know. At this point, Zechariah can't speak. Um, maybe a prophet will be the one to reveal God's and proclaim God's mission in the world. But, you know, John the Baptist is still in the womb. Um, after that, maybe we'd expect Joseph or Elizabeth or even the narrator um, before Mary. But this song, this psalm, which is here to be an authoritative voice of proclamation and to point readers and listeners to like, hey, this is what God is doing here. This voice in a long tradition of religious men who mediate, interpret, and convey Yahweh's message and mission, God bumps into the story and uses the life lost my spot, of a disgraced woman to reveal God's glory and mission to the world. So God implements God's plans by centering, uplifting, and blessing a lowly and faithful teen girl who has brought great shame to the family through a pregnancy outside of marriage. This is a God who hears and sees and stands in solidarity with those who are otherwise powerless. God bursts and bumps into the world and is proclaimed as one who cares about Hannah and cares about Mary in their moments of disgrace. And it's a God who wants to show them mercy, who wants to remove their shame, reverse their power and uplift them. This is a bump on the page. And you know what? Mary can only declare in words these things because she actually knows indeed these things. She says, God has looked on her lowliness with favour and the mighty one has done great things for her. That's how the psalm starts. Um, last week, Kaz told us about Elizabeth 
who celebrates and blesses Mary when she doesn't really need to. Um, she shares her privilege in order to uplift Mary. And it's actually through those actions that Mary knows that she's not excluded, she's not shamed, she's actually blessed. And her response is to sing. Mary sees God and calls God holy because of these things. And then she declares the broad blessing from generation to generation of scattering the proud, lifting up the lowly. Um, a few chapters later, when Jesus actually starts his ministry, he goes into a synagogue, he opens up the role of Isaiah, and he says uh, that he's been anointed by God to proclaim the release of captives, the recovery of sight to the blind, and to let the oppressed go free. Um, he heals Simon Peter's mother-in-law, a woman. Um, he then heals a leper and a Roman soldier's slave. In Luke 9, he sends the disciples out on a mission, and they get power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. He sends them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal. And it says that they brought good news and cured diseases everywhere. I don't know if you see this pattern. Jesus comes, he has all authority of all cosmic powers. People are uplifted, people are healed. There is good news, there is the kingdom of God. They all go together. And sometimes, I don't know about you, I've been sold this version of faith or this version of good news in which we have to suffer now in order to receive blessings later. Um, particularly if you're queer, you've probably been told that um, in ways that are really hurtful and destroying. There are many other ways that the church tells us in our pain that, you know, that's from God, that you must suffer now in order to receive that later and that this is the good news. During Advent, we have certainly waited. We've had this sacred yearning for God to come. You know, we've acknowledged and expressed desires for a world made right, which we know cannot happen without God. You know, it happen, can't happen without God. It can't happen on our own. And so we wait. But then at Christmas, we then complement that waiting by proclaiming that God is here now and God continues to be present. Mary knows from generation to generation that God is scattering the proud, bringing down the powerful, raising up the lowly. Mary is emboldened to sing of a God who has looked with favour on her loneliness, who sent the rich away empty, filled the hungry with good things, not because this is an abstract thing that we've been told is coming, that like this is the faith that we believe in. It's not a concept that people need to understand. Um, it's not something that she needs to wait for. We're actually shown here that her, like Hannah, Mary experiences this for herself. That's how she knows and that's why she sings. As Joseph deliberated when to divorce her, God there and then reversed her status and she was there and then emboldened to sing of God's unequivocal reign over the whole world. And as Mary processes 
what does this shame mean? I'm pregnant outside of marriage. What will this mean for me? And she soaks it all in after Gabriel comes for her and she rushes to Elizabeth. Elizabeth celebrates her. Elizabeth creates space. Elizabeth blesses her. And then she's brought to an understanding of God's blessing. It's not that she's told everything's going to be okay. She actually sees it. She feels it. She knows it. That's how she understands it. And then that's why she sings. It's really important to see it's not just her words, but it's actually her words and her life that together example and show us God's work. Her words and her life reveal God's mercy. Her words and her life show God's holiness. Jesus is here to make it right, and I don't want you just to take my word for it. Here it is. I want you to feel it, know it, see it. We don't proclaim a faith that we don't know or understand. Though, yes, we're here with so many questions trying to figure out what the heck is this faith about. We've had so many conversations about that. You know, what is the song? Where is it? What is it? But we're never going to tell you to believe in something that you don't know and feel and see and understand that it's true because we do know. We know what it feels like to be brought out of something which we've been shamed for. We know what it feels like to experience belonging after we've been excluded. We know what it feels like to see those who have been wronged be filled with good things. We actually feel it and understand it and grasp it when we see these things happen, when we see on the news that abusers and power-hungry people are humbled. These things actually bring us to life and they make us sing. I don't know, maybe that's why all the podcasts about crime are so popular because people finally get the vengeance. I don't know. I don't listen to them. What are they about? Am I on the right course here? <laughs> but we're kind of fans of the little guy, right? Like, it's actually a natural thing that we sing. It brings us to life, like knowing and understanding these things, like in our lives. Um, and I actually think that's what's been so, so beautiful about New City this year. Um, and I wonder how you've reflected on your experiences, New City, um, what we've been doing together this year. But. Um, I feel like we've kind of been getting away from things, abstract versions of faith, from future promises, from uh, a community where we must suffer now in order to experience blessing later. I think those stories are shared among us and we've chatted about them, we've spoken about them and we've come to a place or we're coming to a place or we're trying to find that place where we, we truly see and fe truly see and feel and know in community that we are loved and we belong. And it actually transforms us to a place where we sing. I'm singing, being here. My presence here actually makes me sing. My whole adult life, I have felt a call to lead and to minister, and I was pushed down. I was excluded, I was shamed, and I doubted. But God has brought me to this place with you and I've actually been emboldened to sing. And I sing when I see others experience that too. 
whatever their journey has been and they come here and they find a place and they feel it and they see it and they grasp, I'm loved and I belong. This is what God's doing. And then they sing. That's what I'm about. And actually, it's pretty cool because Mary says that God's name is holy when these things are done. It is the holiness of God when the lowly are uplifted and we praise God when it happens. I've never thought about that before. It is the holiness of God when the lowly are uplifted and actually that is a source of praise. And just a final little point of reflection. Um, I think at the same time as feeling these blessings, we're also forced to confront some semi-dark things within us as well or to make hard changes to the ways that we've always done things because doing so will actually raise someone else up and it will actually allow them to receive life and will actually allow them to sing. Um, there is a little mention of mercy and fear and we could do a whole sermon series and more on the way that the church has misused fear. Um, but I think it's important to see that the mercy and judgment are kind of linked, that there's compassion and justice and they go hand in hand. Um, God comes to bring life, but flourishing for all people and all life actually also comes accountability. And again, I think this is good news and I think it also makes sense to us. When we see the way that God does things and we're confronted with the ways our actions affect other people, judgment and mercy, compassion and justice going hand in hand makes sense. It is not fear for fear's sake or fear for control's sake. It's actually just a weighted understanding of what justice and accountability means in this world that it's not just me that should sing. I want everyone to sing. And it shouldn't be scary. I think it should just make sense to us. Uh, and Mary's final words say that this blessing is forever. And that this was actually promised from the beginning to Abraham. And I wonder how much this is preached as the core mission of God. But this is God's mission forever from the beginning. It's the one story that's being told over and over again that God is merciful, God is reversing power, Jesus came and continues to be present to the oppressed, to be in solidarity with the lowly and to raise them up and to bring down those who exploit and abuse. We're invited to find our voice and we're challenged to humble ourselves so others can find their voice too and this is the holiness of God and it's why we sing and it's why we praise um, and I just picked out a little song that I thought um, we could play and I thought it would be nice just to reflect a little bit um, it has been a big year but this has been really beautiful, this space. Um, and so I was thinking we could reflect on Elizabeth and the ways that um, 
ways that others are Elizabeths to us, the way that people, like what and who are the Elizabeths in our lives, what or who allows us to sing, and how can we help others sing? Um, When we think about individually and as a community receiving singing, and then how do we extend that singing for others? Um, Who or what have been the Elizabeths in your life? And how can you be an Elizabeth to someone else? How can we do that together? How can we do that individually? Is that making sense? Um, Yeah, I just would just really like to know what's on your heart. How have you been blessed here? How, what desires do you have for sharing this space with others? Um, And if you're feeling like you could share that at the end and feeling bold enough to do that, I would love to hear. Um, How can we help the world sing?